you're on a hot date with Jennifer Golden and Lauren Leonelli. And now, it's complicated. This episode is brought to you by Podcorn. If you're like us and were a bit clueless as to how to turn your podcast from a hobby into a business, then listen up. Podcorn is basically a dating app for podcasters, but instead of helping you find love, it's a marketplace where podcasters like us match with amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities, such as host read ads, interview segments, topical discussions, and more for a variety of brands. Remember hearing about Cherry, Iconic Protein, and the Mighty Patch on our show? All sponsorships through Podcorn. The site is super user-friendly and there's no middleman. Podcasters of all sizes, even the new ones who started during quarantine, can browse and choose opportunities right on the platform. You can set your own rates and collaborate with brands directly without any exclusivities. If starting a podcast and turning it into a business seems complicated, we're here to tell you it's not, thanks to Podcorn. You never give up any rights to your podcast, and Podcorn is here to support you at every step and ensure you're protected and compensated for the work that you do for brands. We always say that it's super attractive when people have their own things going for them. So why not make your dream a reality and add podcaster to your dating profile? Click the link in our show notes to sign up to Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities today. Hello, Master Daters. Welcome back for another episode of It's Complicated. The struggle is real when you're dating in the city. I'm Jen. And I'm not Jen. But we are your resident best friends here to help you along your relationship journey. Just think of us as your very own fun fairies, bringing joy to the process and sprinkling love dust all over the place because it takes a village and we're your community. And you can find us at It's Complicated Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell a friend. We share our tips, tricks, expert guests, and even our own relationship highs and lows with y'all. So sharing our show with your friends and loved ones helps complete our circle of love. We finally have clarity on who will be running this country moving forward, so we think. So we have one less thing to worry about as we get closer to the holidays, which Jen and I are always very excited for. That being said, too many people have lost someone they love this year at the hands of COVID or otherwise, and that's not something that's easy to deal with. As someone who's lost someone I love, I've struggled with feeling my feelings and at the same time letting people in to help me or even asking for help when needed. It always feels like I'm actually curbing how I feel for other people to feel more comfortable and walking on eggshells around them because loss is an uncomfortable subject for most people, even though I'm the one going through it. It truly is the loneliest experience someone can go through. And even if you share the loss with someone else, like a sibling or whatever, yours is going to be different than theirs because you are different than them. And as someone who has a lot of best friends who have experienced loss, unfortunately, we are going to help everyone out with some tips for how to approach this matter, especially leading into the holidays, so that the people we have loved who've lost don't have to feel like sad and alone and isolated. But before that, and in true It's Complicated fashion, let's visit the Rose Garden for a gardening sesh with a little game of Rose and Thorn. 
Okay, so my rose is just what we were talking about. It's almost Christmas, and uh, it's my favorite time of year. I love Halloween, but I it's sort of like we mentioned in our Halloween episode, like the last holiday that like closes the door and then opens it to like Thanksgiving and Christmas. So I'm super excited to finally spend the holidays like in the home and the life that I've created. Like I've always gone either to the Bay Area to see my family or back to the East Coast to see uh, James's family, which is lovely and great. But now I get to spend it at home, you know, in the new house with my whole family. And I'm excited to get to do that and experience like the life that I've created. And and during Christmas, it's like so fun. It's the best time of year in my opinion. Um, and we're going to take some new little fun Christmas pictures and we get to like relive the whole Santa thing because as Bella is kind of like letting go of Santa, we get to like bring him back to life in our household because Austin is like not even a year old yet. So there's going to be like tons more years of the Santa thing. And it's sort of like an interesting time because it's like going away for Bella at the same time it's coming back again. So it's like, we never have to say goodbye to Santa. Cause like, I just can't let go. No. And you shouldn't. And also you get to spoil your baby and everyone around you gets to spoil your baby with Christmas presents. And that's so fun for us totally fun. And yeah, it's like you get to live vicariously through the children again. My thorn is sort of trying to figure out this transition. There is like a company that James and I are like interested in starting that has to do with his line of work. And it's a cool thought process, but I admittedly am bad with transitional periods. Like unless I have clear direction, I feel very stuck and overwhelmed by like how to even start. And it's a thorn right now because of my recognition of this like hardship I have with transitions, but not about like the excitement that I have behind it. So if any of you out there can relate, I'm sure you can, like, I'm not very good at transitional things. And I'm trying to like find motivation and like, security and like the faith of I think that I can do this and that I'm you know assuming that everyone is kind of scared and like a little hesitant during transition sometimes in their own way so I'm sort of trying to hold on to that but that's my thorn and that makes sense and I'm sure you'll figure it out and then it'll become a rose exactly my rose is that we finally have the election results and it was in my favor. So I'm happy with that, though it is a little dodgy with everything else going on surrounding the election because people are trying to say that it is not accurate and fraudulent and whatever. But I'm not going to join in on that drama. I'm going to take the truth that I believe in and sit with that because after this year, I feel like we need answers and we need boring. So I'm going to live with this result and hope it all, you know, figures itself out. But speaking of, you know, things that are not boring, my other rose is our new intro song, which is super sassy and features your own hubby's voice. So that's exciting that we keep him with us every week. Yeah, now now you guys can sort of get a little light onto the, the sexy train over there with that deep sexual voice, right, Jen? Absolutely. It's super sassy and super us, and that's what you can expect from us moving forward. A lot of sass and some class. I was trying to get you to say that his voice was sexual, Jen. It's okay. I will not. <laughs> I do not see him in that light. He is just James, and that's it. <laughs> 
Anyway, my thorn aside from thinking of James in a sexual light is that I'm trying to figure out holiday plans and that's like very troubling amidst COVID because I'm like, where am I going to go? Who am I going to do it with? What is going to happen? And also it's like weird too, because I think about things way in advance, but it seems to be that people are not really doing that as much because you take it one day at a time with COVID, you know, whether it's someone's uh, healthy and then they're not, or they're comfortable with groups or they're not, or they want to host a dinner or they don't. It's all sort of unfolding in like the slowest of slow times and it's giving me anxiety, but it's okay because nothing trumps (laughs) election anxiety. Get it? But it's okay. The only other thorn I have really is knowing that dad stuff comes up for me over the holidays and that is looming between Thanksgiving, then his birthday, my birthday, Christmas. New Year's for me is kind of like a, okay, I made it through another year. We're about to like head into the next year and that's going to bring new energy and and positivity. So I don't really have that same feeling on New Year's, though he did always text me or call me on New Year's. So that it's just like those moments. Those are the things that really heighten it for me. And it's not really like the run of the mill every other day, but the things where it would be routine to hear from him or talk to him. However, again, going back to the rose, I'm just trying to stay positive wherever I can, you know? So guys, usually when someone dies, those close to that person will feel intense emotions that can often unsettle their own personal relationships. Thankfully, I can say that it hasn't really done that to me within my like very close friends. It has shown a light though on some other relationships where I felt like, man, that person wasn't really there for me and handled this really poorly. So maybe I don't need to entertain their friendship anymore. Um, but grief or the emotions that you know you can feel due to a loss can be particularly hard to cope with for both the person that is grieving and those that are trying to be supportive. Thankfully, though, with mutual respect and patience, it takes a lot of patience. We'll dive in deeper as to why that is. Relationships can withstand and even sometimes grow stronger due to the grief. And I can say that mine have with the people that have been really there for me during this time. Yeah, you know, grief is like you think you know what it is And I think you don't really understand it until it happens to you, even if you understand like the definition or if you understand like from the outside perspective. I mean, we've all lost somebody, um, I think, but I would say maybe like parents in particular is like definitely like a hard one grandparents and things and aunts and uncles and a friend, unfortunately, like those are all hard. But I think like parents as a whole, like, different ball game and specifically we are kind of like relating this to that just because of Jen's experience but like I have had other friends that have gone through that I've lost friends so grief is you know it's an emotional response to the death of a loved one obviously and it's obviously equated to sadness but it's not just that black and white it's often involves like a progression of emotions and reactions that go through the stages of like shock and numbness and anxiety and anger and like there's denial and sadness and all those things so it's very layered um and understanding at least the definition is good to start but then we'll get into how to like actually 
relate to somebody who's dealing with grief or help somebody. Also, while they say it's a stage, they kind of come and go. They're more like waves, I think, than stages because you don't graduate from one to the other and then never feel that thing again. You continue to feel those feelings at any different point because you might have a different memory or you might have a different emotion or a regret or guilt or anger, or sometimes I would say even that like, it felt like Groundhog's Day because I would remember my dad died all over again. And then I went through shock again. Yeah, you, yeah you're, you're exactly right. You don't just like, okay, well, I'm not shocked anymore. So I'm never going to be shocked again. Like that could happen because as you go through milestones in your life, that person's not there. And so you have to kind of relive those feelings all over again. Yeah. And so, like I said, you know, it it definitely, the process has made my relationships with certain people stronger, my relationships with other people less strong. It's also made me even think about who I want to bring into my life as a partner. I would want that person to be really there for me and invested in getting to know who my dad was and participate with me when I'm grieving or on those days that are more significant than others. Like you have with me, you've been like, what are we doing to celebrate your dad's birthday? Or how do you want to celebrate or, you know, mourn the loss of him on the anniversary of him passing. And you've been a great partner in this process for me because you're always offering your presence and time and efforts. And I think that goes so far. So like for me, I would want, um, you know, a romantic partner to do something similar. And I had an experience right after my dad passed that where I was dating that guy for a bit who I talked about on the show and he was super detached. It was weird. I was like, are you a sociopath? Because I'm telling you that my dad died less than six months ago and that everything is still triggering me. And then his dad passed and it was like, I don't know, just a Wednesday. It was, it didn't even affect him. And it was just such a strange dynamic to be a part of and not something I would ever want again, because I know now being in this, that I will need someone who really shows up for me Yeah, and does all the things we're going to tell you that you should and shouldn't do. Well, speaking of supporting others through grief. I mean, I know that grief, like in relationships, like you brought up, they can take tolls on relationships because like, you don't know how like your partner is going to react and then what your partner is going to need from you. Like you just said, like that guy was detached and maybe he needed someone who was more detached or that's how they dealt with death and you dealt with it in a different way. And so you can grow apart and then you can come back together. I mean, it can make you stronger. It can rip you apart, but like how, when you support people through grief like you don't want to make the mistake of like attempting to comfort somebody and like insist on how they must be feeling okay Jen it's okay like you you should just move on or time will heal or saying things like that that you're just like uh you know you just like need them to give you like the right and appropriate sort of reaction and we're gonna sort of go through those because I know I mean there's not always one right answer but there's some like stock ones that are like tips and tricks to help with this process because like we said the holidays bring this kind of stuff up for people and we talk about love on this show and we want to everyone to feel loving and supported and like it's not always all like sprinkles and fairy dust like you know sometimes love is going through the hard shit with people and being there for people and so these are some of like the tips that we think could kind of help you with grief through the holidays. You're not trained to prepare for this ever. I wasn't prepared for it. And I was, I'm, you know, tough as shit and think that like I am impervious to feelings. But 
you can't plan for how you're going to feel. And then you, even your parents, let's say like in my case, my mom was not trained in how to help me through grief either because she wasn't prepared for it you know, herself. The only people we've lost sort of suddenly, let's just say, are grandparents. And then, you know, they're on the trajectory for death because like age, hello. So you expect that, you know, especially because they start getting sick and they show signs of age. But because no one's prepared and then significant others aren't prepared, friends aren't prepared, family members aren't prepared to help somebody who's grieving or prepared themselves for grief. We feel that this is super important because like this is the shit no one tells you. And Hopefully it's helpful to you all. So if you're like me and you are the person who's grieving, fun, fun, here are a few suggestions for you over the holidays. One, take time for yourself. While it might be something you think you should just be busy and distract yourself through and, you know, keep yourself from feeling or thinking about the person, do not do that. Take time for yourself because you need it. Whether it's downtime to think about the person or feel your feelings or just you need a nap or you want to watch Hallmark movies endlessly like I do, whatever that is, you should do it. Um, Also, like I said, feel your feelings and do not feel guilty about it. You are grieving and you could be grieving two years down the road, 10 years down the road, whatever the hell you were, you know, feeling at the time because of grief, feel it. Talk about your loved one whenever you feel like it. That's a big one. I never do that. Because I feel, like I said, I'm walking on eggshells around people and it makes them uncomfortable and they might want to get over it because time has passed. But I still live with it like it's just mistletoe following me around wherever I go. Unfortunately, it doesn't you know, create a situation where I make out with everybody all the time. I wish that was the adverse effect to grief. But yeah, exactly. I went there. But you are allowed to talk about your loved one and the people around you especially you if you're listening and you want to be this loved one for someone, be open to it. Another thing is be patient with the process. You do not, you know, grieve and then stop. Like we said earlier, there are stages or waves, what have you. It is a process and the process doesn't end. Be crystal clear about what you want to do for the holidays because you do not have to just agree with what other people want to do. The worst thing you can do is put yourself in a situation where you're then uncomfortable and you're regretting going somewhere or you feel worse about your situation or then you're embarrassed that you have tears welling up in your eyes or whatever it is, just be clear about what you want to do and then do that thing. You're allowed to choose what makes you happy and brings you joy or at least makes you feel more comfortable. And then also, obviously, if you're a significant other, friend or family member of someone who's grieving, you will want to do some of these things, which really spoke to me, like being available for the person, just always being the, like Jen mentioned, open end, like receiving end of the conversation, available to talk or just to like be around the person, even if they don't want to talk about it, just to have company. Um, especially like after funeral and things are over because like it doesn't end for them after that. So like, you know, a month down the road, like you said, Jen, you're still living with it and everyone else has moved on. So it's nice to be available to continue to like be a support system to that person. Talking to them sounds simple, but like, again, like you mentioned, Jen, like you feel uncomfortable bringing it up. So if you're a loved one of someone and you know they're going through something, try to encourage them to talk, not pressure them to talk, but like 
you know, it's okay to acknowledge the death of the person and like you, it's okay for you to bring it up. Just gauge the room. If they look like they're uncomfortable and don't want to talk about it, then just change the subject. But at least you're letting them know that you're available to talk about it and it doesn't make you uncomfortable. So let's just talk about it. Offering practical help. It's like a really good thing to do. Um, like you don't want to just be like, uh, I'm here if you need anything. You want to be more like, um, hey, why don't I come over and help you cook? Or why don't we go out to dinner and and talk about your loved one on this day? Or we can like, you know, something specific like burn wish papers or I'm thinking of things I've done. Like it, something to like honor that person or or something to just help the person who's grieving. Just get a little more specific instead of just saying like those catchphrases, which are okay too. But like sometimes, you know, it just feels very um, like checking a box. Like uh, I'm here if you need me. Like, you know, you might just need to go a little deeper than that. And like letting someone cry, it's, you know, hard for the loved one to watch someone get upset, but like, it's good for the other person to let it out. And, you know, you don't want to say like, oh, don't cry. It's going to be okay. Like you want to say like, it's okay to cry. I understand this is really hard for you. And I would, you know, feel the same way, or I'm sure this is a really tough, like just let it out. Like, and then we can laugh later or, you know, something like that. So letting like the cathartic crying happen and then not making them feel uncomfortable about crying because it's like, you know, sad for everybody. And I think this one is my kind of favorite one, even though like, I don't mean to say say like, because this whole process is sort of sad, but like, I like this one the best, like letting someone know, like, it's okay not to be okay. Or I think too, the way this sounds for me, sometimes when I'm helping a friend in this situation, it's like, you know, saying something like, I know, like, if someone says this is so sad, or I feel these feelings that are sad, and A, B, and C, you can say, yeah, you know what, that sucks. I'm sorry that you feel that way. And I, you know, I understand that that's how you would be feeling. And I'm sure it's going to be hard for a really long time. You don't have to be like, it's going to be okay. Like, I know you want to do that, but sometimes the person on the receiving end doesn't want to hear that because it doesn't feel like it's ever going to be okay. And it's okay to acknowledge like, you know what, you might not ever be okay about this, but I'm here for you. So just know that, right? Yeah. The fact that the person is never going to be okay because there's like a hole in their heart and the person is gone forever. It's like the most final thing that can happen to someone. They will not ever be okay. Okay was before that, after that, not okay. Yes, they will go on and live a great life, but like that part of their life is never going to be okay. You're never like, man, I'm so glad they're gone. And even though people say all the time, you know, oh, they're out of pain or all those things that, you know, we'll talk about the cash raises in a sec. But when people say things like euphemisms for a shitty situation, it's not helpful because sure, they might be gone and maybe they are out of pain, but your heart is going to feel pain for the rest of your life without that person. So I think acknowledging that and letting somebody uh, go through it and continue to go through it and to be not okay with what happened. Like no one ever said you have to celebrate someone passing. You know, no one ever said you have to get over grief, but you have to just sort of be there for the person and be like, oh, okay. Like this is now a part of who you are. Just like anything else. Like this is one more thing that that person has, you know, as a part of their life. 
Yeah, exactly. I think the the catchphrases, the hurtful cliches like you sort of brought in there are something that people like default go to because they're like, you know, everything happens for a reason or, you know, on the brighter side or but like I yeah, it it doesn't have an expiration date. It's always going to hurt. There it's never you ne- no one's ever like, yeah, gosh, remember when I was so sad about my dad dying? I'm so glad I'm over that now. Like that's just It's not like a breakup. And even breakups, by the way, if we all thought about it like that, like when you break up with somebody, you never forget the person that broke your heart. You never get over it entirely. In fact, it's called baggage and, you know, we work through that to either learn from it or apply, you know, things or heal, whatever it is. So if you think about how long it takes somebody to get over a breakup, imagine losing somebody who never comes back and you don't replace that person. When you go through a breakup, at some point you start dating somebody else again or you get remarried. When you lose like a parental figure or a child or even a significant other who dies, like that's something that is not like anything else. So going back to hurtful cliches, when somebody tries to equate it to something else, it's like, no, go fuck yourself. It's not that. And you're now putting the person who's lost the person in a position to have to respond to your odd cliche. So I actually started losing patience with people that were doing that. I would confront them and be like, actually, there is no bright side. (laughs) Thank you. There is a dark side. The dark side is that person's gone forever. The bright side is I still live, sure, but I live now with a hole in my heart. Also, when people send like emojis, I'm like, oh God, dear God, please unsend your message to me because I will never get over the fact that a purple heart doesn't make my dad come back to life. It just feels impersonal. Like if you send a message with an emoji, like, I'm so sorry. I know this is so hard for you. My heart breaks for you. And then you send a broken heart emoji. I understand. But like just sending an emoji, it's like, it feels impersonal. It feels like when a loved one gives you like $20 for your fucking birthday. Like <laughs> it's nice. I'm going to take the money. Thank you. And I understand that you're giving me a gift, but like, it's not doing the trick. You could have dug a little deeper and said some nice words instead of like, sticker button oh my gosh or when someone says i'm sending you love and light uh okay does that bring my dad back i'm not really sure what that again i just think there's better ways to say that like i love you and i'm here for you and i hope that you can find some i hope i can help you find some lighter moments can can we talk about a nice memory when you're ready like something like that that you know what i'm saying like those sentiments come from a real place it's just annoying for the receiver i think because it feels so impersonal and like you just plucked that that cliche out of thin air and then served it like on a platter and like there's no real feelings attached to it I think that I could imagine that must be how it feels for you it's so annoying but like what you said was perfect so people listening you try that one out instead but also the last one where people tell you what to do that couldn't be more annoying and it makes you want to punch somebody in the face. And I am not somebody who lashes out with anger or aggression. I I mean, I silently am angry, let's just say, or I make a mental note to not talk to that person about my feelings ever again and, and really just disengage. But 
when someone tells you what to do, like, oh, well, you should really do this, or you were kind of going in the direction, but you didn't say this, I was like, uh oh, uh oh. But I hope that this, you know, I hope that you find peace. Like, okay, and if I don't, then what? Or what does that look like? How does one do that? Because you're telling me to find peace, but where do you get it? (laughs) So what I love that you said was, how can I help you find like lighter moments? And you actually do that. You're like, okay, want to FaceTime and talk about memories of your dad or go eat food that he likes or make fun of things or, you know, I guess you know me well enough to also know what I need, which is like finding those lighter moments. And listen, I say the craziest things because I've given up dancing around other people's feelings where I just am like, oh, today's dead dad day. And I actually have other friends too that are like, I don't have to make it pretty and polite for somebody else. This is my day. It's sad for me. So I'm going to talk about it in the way that makes me laugh, which is like sometimes really uncomfortable things. <laughs> well, it's just real. That's all. It's You don't have to wrap it up in a pretty present. Like that's not fair for you because you don't feel pretty when you fucking think about it. So why should you have to make other people feel pretty? That's just not the reality. The reality is it sucks. And so when you say it's dead dad day, yeah, it sucks because that's a sucky thing. And my dad was sarcastic and like made jokes and made uncomfortable jokes too. So like, I think I find hum- finding humor in things for me is a way for me to not feel so dark and heavy. Um, and also a way for me to talk about it without just breaking down into tears. It's like my, my not defense mechanism, but it's my way of communication about it where I can do that in public and then privately sob. Yeah. Well, I think communication like in romantic relationships, like anything is key. Try guys to as best as you can to put yourself in that person's shoes everyone deals with grief different so you could say okay if I were her this is how I might feel and how could I respond and maybe that is different because you're you and that person's them but just try to come from that place as much as you can and just try to like be you know as open and and read the room, read the person, read if they're communicating with you in a certain way. If Jen decides to say it's dead dad day, like take a cue and know, okay, she's being sarcastic and she's a little upset about it still, obviously. And she's going there and being real. So you can be real back. Just gauge the person and try to like go on, I would say, how they're feeling and relating to it and just sort of try to mirror that. Because again, there's many do's and don'ts for like significant others and friends, but there's, and and that can always be different for each situation, depending on who's like, who was lost and who the person is in relation to you. Going back to that grief doesn't have an end date and, you know, things that you've done, at least with me, related to my dad, where you've incorporated him into your birthday because the anniversary of his death happens around there. Or um, his birthday is right around Christmas and my birthday. So we've like gone to dinner for his birthday. And I think something that's really nice that you can do for somebody, um, especially in a romantic relationship, if you live with the person or you do holidays with them, is to incorporate that person in some way into those things. Because that will show them that this is top of mind for you too. It's not just their problem. It's something that you consider will affect them. It's something you want to celebrate or, you know, do an in memoriam for that person, whether it's getting an ornament, you know, to commemorate that person, or you decorate the house with something that would, you know, remind you of them or listen to their favorite Christmas songs or make their favorite dish and really bring them into it. So it becomes a part of the celebration and their memory 
is, you know, continued on because also the person who's grieving really fears that other people will forget that person and that you will continue to remember them. And they even forget sometimes, or they even fear sometimes that they're going to forget that person. So making it so that that person, you know, doesn't leave anyone's minds and is celebrated as I think a really nice gift you can give somebody during the holidays who might be suffering. Yeah. Don't be afraid to help that person keep the spirit of the loved one alive. I think that's always would most likely, and again, everyone's different. I would assume that it would most likely be appreciated. So however that person wants to receive that, I think keeping the person alive and is a good positive thing. Um, but some don'ts for significant others and friends, I would say like, don't lose contact. Like we talked about at the funeral ends and the grieving doesn't. So make sure that you check in. It's okay to bring it up. You know, let that person know you're there for them. Yeah. And don't make assumptions guys. Everyone reacts to grief differently and takes a different amount of time to go through it. And, and, Again, we said waves, so we don't even know what wave they might be in at the time. Don't assume you know how they feel. And again, do not equate it to something that you experienced because it is always going to be different than how they feel. Yeah. And judging, you got to leave it out, you guys, Um, and everything we do, obviously, like we said, everyone's different. You need to allow people to express themselves. Like there's going to be a range of emotions and you're going to just need to let the loved one who is dealing with the grief, like sort of go through them all and just like let them take their own natural progression over time. And also you can talk to them too and just say like, I know you're, you know, going through something. I don't want to take things personally. I just want to let you know that like I might've misunderstood this or whatever. You can talk to them like they're human. <laughs> they don't also have carte blanche in terms of how they can behave, but you should be soft when speaking and communicate kindly, knowing that there might be other things going on, but you're still allowed to also communicate in response. Right. Don't impose your own views, like saying, um, I mean, well, like, I know how you feel. Like, I guess if you've lost a loved one like that person, you can say that I would assume like, you know, I know how you feel because I went through this too. And while you might be feeling a little bit differently, it helps me to do A, B, and C. Maybe that'll help you. I don't know. Like you could say something like that, but I mean, like, like we said, like the cliched, like they've gone to a better place or you, they had a good long life. Like it seems dismissive and like, like you're missing a sensitivity chip. So just don't impose those, those views onto the other person. And also again, yeah, maybe they did have a good long life, but now you have a good long life and you're going to miss them every day of that life. So I think sometimes those um, views are directed toward the person who's no longer here, but forgets about the person who has to live with that person no longer here. And since we are obviously focused right now on the person who's grieving and then the person who's in their life, let's say, again, romantic or friendship, focus on the person who's here. That's, I think, maybe that should have been number one as a do. And obviously the person who's gone, but give love to that person who's still here because they're going to need it. And then the last thing is, is, you know, worrying about getting it wrong. Instead of doing nothing or, you know, avoiding the subject because you're scared that you're going to say the wrong thing, just offer support, follow all the things that we've said um, to do and not do because it's not that hard. 
when you show love and you give love, that's a pretty great start and, and people can feel it when it's genuine and when you're showing up for them. And if you don't know what to do, re-listen to this podcast because I'm pretty sure we gave you some really good tips. And there's also so many resources out there. Um, I wouldn't have even thought to Google it until we were putting this episode together and I've been grieving for three years. So yeah. I could have just sent everyone a link to an article and been like, this is how you do it. You're doing yeah. it wrong. Please follow these steps. We know if you're listening to this and you're like, well, God, I thought I was helping when I said to someone like they've gone to a better place. Like, we understand that you're most likely coming from love with all of it. Like nobody's trying to be an asshole when they say something like that to you, but it's just a different perspective to like dive a little deeper into like how sometimes even when you think you're helping, like, you know, maybe you could be a little more aware and this is just helpful to maybe if you just hadn't really thought that you were not being as helpful as you could be being. And we're always trying to do better, right? So, and this is getting brought up because like we said, during the holidays, things like this and emotions come up and you want to be there for your loved ones. And it's not always like gingerbread houses and things. So we are very real on the show. So thank you, Jen, for all of your insight and your, you know, personal stories and feelings about this, because I'm sure it's hard to talk about and um, it's going to help somebody. So thanks, Lauren. And thank you for making it easy for me to talk about. And also guys, really, if you can do this for somebody who's grieving, that's the biggest gift you can give them over the holidays is your presence and love and being there for them better than any, you know, wrapped gift, unless it again, celebrates the person that they lost or helps them um, with whatever they're feeling. Because this is when you think about them, that they're not there at the table, that they're not doing whatever they normally do on these days. So a gift of love and, and support during this time is really so wonderful. Or even a donation, honestly, in their name, because that goes to show that like you're thinking of them and want to continue giving back despite how, how long it's been since they passed. And diamonds are never a bad thing either. Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. We should have started that. Sorry. That was actually number one. Give people diamonds if they've lost somebody. Yeah. And we have a friend that does diamond signature necklaces of loved ones. If they've passed is sort of how her story started. And it's her dad's signature that she made into a diamond necklace and now does it for other people. And you can do any sort of writing. It doesn't have to be from a past loved one, but yeah, like see diamonds. I mean, they're they're really always a good idea. So um, also good idea to tune into our show next week for an all new episode where we talk more dating and relationshipy stuff with our guest. We are so excited, Clint Coley. And if you want to join the class of master daters, don't forget to follow us on social media at Complicated Show and It's Complicated wherever you get your podcasts to rate, comment, and tell a friend. You can follow me at Jennifer Golden on all the social medias. And you can follow me at Lauren Leonelli on all the social meds as well. We'll be back next week. Love you long time. time.